to left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All right, welcome to it. We are underway this hour. It is Wednesday, March 1st. It's like that march is underway. How did that happen? I don't know. I have no idea how that happened, and yet here we are. It says it right on my computer that it's March 1st. Uh, Flames Talk underway with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Uh, Just before we dive into Tuesday night's loss to Boston, How about the Ottawa Senators being the team that acquired Jacob Chikrin? Just as we go to air live on Sportsnet 960, the fan, that news came down. The Senators, for a conditional first, a conditional second, and a second, get Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes, which I don't think anybody saw coming. The Sens doing some more work. Yeah, that's a jaw dropper, isn't it? Good on them. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Good on them. They've they've built a... a really nice young nucleus there. And so to see them invest in it with a guy who's going to fit right in, in terms of age range, sort of a sweetheart contract for a while longer. That's a really good get. I don't know who's going to be left to acquire come Friday. I I really don't. So I'm glad that I get to do the shift after everything and don't have to fill time uh, going with, with what's going on throughout the day. Now we say that it feels like we've said that, Every year for the last few years, okay, well, what are the, what's going to happen at this year's trade line, deadline? Nothing's going to happen. And yet, there's always 15, 20, 25 sure. moves that day. So there still will be just a lot of the, the big-time, sexier names are no longer uh, up for grabs. Well, with Jacob Chikrin packing his bags right now for Canada's capital city, who is the biggest fish left on the market? I don't even know now. You know, Timo Meyer has gone to New Jersey. Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko are gone to the New York Rangers. Ryan O'Reilly and every other guy who was available for trade now plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is like it Kevin Hayes? Hayes is available. Potentially, yeah. Like, I don't even know who the top name is now. And I think what you're going to see, and this is what we've sort of heard some speculation surrounding with the Calgary Flames, is when you see these prices you're going to have general managers start to wonder about dangling guys that they did not plan on trading. And so if anything is going to salvage those trade shows on Friday and, you know, presumably next year, they'll go with 240 hours of straight nonstop coverage leading up to the deadline just to make sure they don't miss anything. But if anything is going to salvage Friday, it's going to be one of those guys that we're not talking about. Who's not on a trade board. Who's suddenly on the move. Yep. Yep. And, and that, is honestly what it's going to end up being because, you know, right now, all the big names, uh, producer Taylor suggests, what about JT Miller in Vancouver? And who That's knows what one. Vancouver's doing? Who knows what they're doing after? It depends uh, on which day, on doesn't Wednesday. it? Yeah, no kidding. Like what the Ottawa Senators are doing, good on them. They got to bring it in the offseason, uh, and we'll see if they take a run at re signing him. We think they will. Now they went out and got Chikrin. He's got time left. Like 
okay, I see what the Senators are doing. They're kind of, we've been building, we've been building. Now's the time to augment. They may or may not make the playoffs. They probably won't, but they're closer this year than they were last year. I like what Ottawa's doing. I don't know what Vancouver's doing, but I've been, I've been saying, I wonder if Jim Benning is vindicated a little bit right now because that guy took so much heat for the directionless approach that he took to the Canucks. He gets gonged, and in comes Alvin and Rutherford, and they're doing the same circles in the snow as as Jim Benning was. So I wonder if he feels a little vindicated for some of the flack that he took. They they were finally pointed the right direction. They were accumulating picks in what we know is going to be a deep draft class, the 2023 NHL draft. If you had sat down next to me this morning at the Saddle Dome and said, the Vancouver Canucks are going to trade a first-round pick today huh. for a defenseman. I'll give you a hundred guesses who they get. I'm not sure I get it. It was Philip Ronick who they ended up getting. And Canucks fans aren't happy. Go check out Canucks Twitter if you'd like to. <laughs> it's uh, It's been very fun on this Tuesday. So I thought we would start this hour with that just because it is kind of uh, some of the big news of Tuesday. Sorry, of Wednesday. The big news for us on Tuesday was that game against the Boston Bruins. And I don't even know how to interpret what we saw against Boston. I, I know what I saw and I know what the Flames did. And to do that against that team. And I understand I got about 200 texts on Tuesday about how, well, Pat, they were on a back-to-back in the third game in four nights. I am very aware of that. And Boston looked as, as checked out at times as that team can look. They look gassed. They absolutely, all those things. doesn't really change the fact the Flames played as well for almost 65 minutes as you can possibly play against Boston or anybody else. They only got one point. And my question now becomes, how many more gut punches can this team absorb this season? Because... They have been taking gut punches, body blows, whatever term you want to use. It has been that type of year, and they keep on getting up off the mat and standing in for another round. I just wonder how many gut punches they've got left to absorb here. And and let me just circle back on something you said first, because we've heard that, and it's absolutely accurate, right? A back-to-back swing for the Boston Bruins. They're running on fumes last night, and yet... I keep thinking back to what Jonathan Huberdeau said after the Flames collapse in Vegas, which is we're, the NHL. this is the NHL. We're paid to be in shape enough to play on back-to-back nights. And so I think to dismiss what we saw from the Calgary Flames last night, just because it was a back-to-back, listen, the flight from Edmonton to Calgary is not that arduous. This was not the hardest two-game twin bill in NHL history. And so... I don't take a whole lot away from what we saw from the Calgary Flames last night, even though the NHL's best team was coming in on a back-to-back. And I I just think it it complicates, maybe not complicates, but how do you digest it? You know, when you walk away... Especially at this time of the season, right? Right. That was a game that twofold, you A, had to win based on the way you play, or played, I'm sorry, and... You had to win it. You you really had to get two points yeah. out of that. And so, you know, I put something on Twitter after 40 minutes last night saying, hey, in my opinion, this is the most important period of the Flames season coming up. You have to find a way to win a game that you don't deserve to be losing. Well, 
15 minutes later, it looked like they were going to. Yep. And then, you know, as our good friend Eric Francis has has put it more than once, they found another way to get in their own way. Yep. Another and, snatching of defeat from the jaws of victory. Absolutely. You, I, I don't know how you sit down in your locker stall after last night's 4-3 overtime loss to the Bruins and say anything except, how did we not win that hockey game? Well, listen, uh, listen to Blake Coleman. He joined us on Flames Talk postgame about 10 minutes, five minutes after the game came to an end. And I'll, I'll play about 90 seconds of the chat I had with Blake. And look, Blake is one of the, the guys that shoots it straightest on the team. He will always give you honesty. He's always going to tell you exactly kind of how he's seeing it. And, and we really appreciate Blake for the way he goes about his business. He's always articulate. Uh, and he always gives you something. And you could just tell, even even as the uh, host of Flames Talk postgame, that, that idiot kept on trying to find positive ways. Just listen to Blake uh, when I spoke to him following the 4-3 overtime loss to Boston. It's frustrating. You know, this one stings. It's one that we uh, felt and knew that we should have and, um, you know, just put ourselves in those 4-on-4, 3-on-3 four four, three situations and uh, we got out of our game when that when that comes around. So 5-on-5, five five, I thought it was uh, just pretty dominant effort from our team and uh, I thought we deserved better tonight. What did you like? And I know it's it's tough to be talking positives with the way that tonight finishes, but just the determination from your group and and to not let frustration win the day as the game went along. How, how did you like how determined your team was tonight? Yeah, I mean we fought back. I thought um, you know the whole game we felt like we were the better team, and uh, we knew it was just a matter of time that pucks were going to go in. And uh, like I said, you know we we're happy with the way that we responded, but. Uh, I think we're all getting pretty tired of uh, moral victories in our room right now, and it's just, uh, you know, games like that, you just got to find a way. How do you carry this over and, and kind of do the same things against Toronto? What are, the, what are the things you can carry over into Thursday night, Blake? Honestly, play the same game, I think. Like I said, five on five, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we carried that game, and we, we deserved uh, better. But like I said, you know, there's – the way the league's set up, you're going to have, um, you know, three on three and four on four, and you know that's just the rules of the game. And we got to find ways to to get points in these games. You know, you look at, you look at all these overtime games and and games that come down to the wire, and you know we're just on the wrong side of, of way too many. And you know that's the reason we're outside the playoffs right now. So. I, I kind of, as I was listening to that again, so that was Blake Coleman with us on Tuesday's Flames Talk post game. It's as if I was like, you just took a baseball bat to the gut. And I'm asking you about the puppy in front of you. You're like, yeah, 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 the puppy's really good, but this really hurts. Like that, that's that's what that felt like. Because you know, yeah, asked about the ter- determination and what they can carry over into the Toronto game, and and you know, it's like, yeah, you know, we we fought back, we fought back. That was good, but and yeah, we got to do the same things against Toronto, but and that that to me just really underlined how much of a heartbreaking loss that was for Calgary and at this time in the season what that could have done for them and they come away with a really hollow single point and they lose ground in this playoff race despite playing that good a game 57 shots to do that against to do all they did against the number one team in the NHL to make them look like they didn't belong in the rink for a good chunk of that game and to only get the single point you can tell and I you were in the locker room I wasn't but it, it sure did feel like that was kind of universal how how much that was hanging over him after the game. Well, and I think Blake Coleman 
answered the question that I was wondering most was, can you take Tuesday's overtime loss to the Bruins as something encouraging because you savagely outplayed the best team in the NHL? Or is the end result more deflating than encouraging? And for me, from what we've heard in the last 24 hours now from the Flames, I think deflating is the answer. And we've had this discussion. How how are they going to bounce back? How are they going to bounce back? I assume, you know, when you put together the template for the show, that line is now just in there nonstop. <laughs> how, how are they going to bounce back? How do they back? respond? How do they respond? Yeah. It's another fair question. I And I, I don't know how to interpret what happened, what I've heard. I, I honestly do not know what to expect from them against another really good team and another really tough test against the Maple Leafs. I don't because we have seen plenty of times this year where we thought, yeah, they're probably just going to fold the tent here in games, at, and they haven't. And then there's been pre- plenty of games or plenty of instances where you've come out of a game saying, well, that that's a that's a night that they can really build on. And then what do they do? They take a step back. So I have no idea. I honestly don't know how they're going to deal with it. I don't know how they're going to use it. I don't know if they're going to use it at all. All I know is that that was a, that was a tough loss to watch them walk out of there with. And, and credit to Boston. They're the number one team in the NHL for a reason. How many times did we say last year, yeah, if you can win with your C game, if you can win playing a really poor outing, that's impressive. And that's what Boston did to the Flames on Tuesday night. I, I love that quote that, that Ryan Leslie shared on uh, on Twitter where Jim Montgomery says, my heart goes out to them after that one because they deserve that win. Right? The other coach knew it and, and knew how often his team was. You could see him laughing on the bench when they won. Yeah. They, you know, whether you credit Linus Allmark or, or you credit the resiliency of, of the entire group, they stole that game from the Calgary Flames, except people here are getting sick of hearing that because this team has sort of, it felt like lately, especially routinely had games sort of snatched out from yeah. underneath them. And so it's a great question. How do they respond? And, and how do they respond before it's too late for it to matter? Well, and, and I'll read you a few texts. Uh, this says, um, I was quite impressed with the Flames' performance, but once again, we've all seen the same beginning, middle, and end already. Kind of feels like Flames fans are watching the same movie they hate every other day. That's from Mike. Uh, this says, two goals on four shots in the first period. Overall, great team but they wouldn't have been in that position without those two goals. There's no doubt about it. Falling down 2 nothing in the first period did not help matters. But it all... Let, let me just yeah. interrupt you quick, Absolutely. though, because I've been pushing back on, on this a little bit in conversations yeah. I've had with various people today. I think pinning last night on Dan Vladar is taking sort of the easy way out. And there's been a lot of days, and we've sat here and done it, where it's been absolutely fair to pin a loss on the Calgary Flames goaltenders. And certainly Dan Vladar did need to be better last night. But when you've got 30 some shots through 40 minutes, 39, 39, was it through 40 minutes and you have one goal, you need some finish. Yeah. Like the goalie can't wear a game where you couldn't find the back of the net with Google maps. Yeah. Now good (laughs) on them to go out and, score a couple in the third and quite frankly, put themselves in a position where they should have closed it out at that point. But to just say, ah, oh, goaltending again, you have to score some goals. That's why, that's why the motto this year is not just one more save. 
it's one more save, one more goal. Because I think it is just as valid at the other end. And you're right. They take advantage. And, and tip of the hat to Linus Allmark. He came in as the... I was really excited when they started Jeremy Swayman against the Oilers. I was like, yes! First of all, maybe... Um, well, he, he stole the game, right? He didn't steal the game, but he played well and, and, and beat the Oilers. But I'm like, yes, that means I get an opportunity with my own two eyes to see this guy uh, in person with the season he's having, and he did not disappoint. Looked like, pretty he, good, didn't he? He looked like the Vezda Trophy was under his jersey, is the way he played against the Flames. He was out of his mind. And the goals that beat him were were great finishes. Coleman's goal, you have a little stat on Coleman, I'll, I'll get to you in a second. But Coleman's goal, perfect finish. Dubé's goal, perfect finish. And off of a teammate, it would have been a Pelche goal had the pass got there. Right. But it ends up going off Clifton instead, and Huberto takes the lead. Like, other than that, three, two perfect shots and one defensive breakdown in the back of Boston's net. Allmark couldn't have done anything more than he did. Made six more in overtime. The Flames outshot him 6-2 in the overtime period. So I, I came away super impressed with Linus Allmark. And, and it's just a a sort of follow-up to the finding a way to lose, you get to overtime and, and you almost get it out of overtime into a shootout. I'm not sure that puts you in a better position to beat a team with the sort of talent that the Bruins have on their bench. But, you know, I went back and watched the replay several times and I still don't know exactly why Elias Lindholm is cheating on that play in overtime. It looks like he's heading up ice thinking he's going to get a breakaway and suddenly... You've got an odd man situation in front of your own net. You're certainly not blaming Jacob Markstrom on that goal. And and I, I bring that up to illustrate the point that when you talk about a team that is finding ways to lose hockey games, well, the last two overtime losses have fallen on two of their most dependable guys. Yeah. Elias Lindholm's cheating up ice last night. He, you know, he gets caught in a in a bad situation and suddenly the puck's in the back of the net. Go back to Vegas. Michael Backlund gets caught trying to sneak in a change. Suddenly, you, you've got an odd man scenario going the other way. And so, these are the kind of guys that you can normally trust to yep. make the right decisions in those moments. And and I'm not saying it's all on their shoulders that they haven't got those extra points. But when you talk about a team that somehow finds a way for it to go the wrong direction, those are not the guys that you expect yeah. to have the big screw-ups. Uh, this says that game will either rally or kill the boys for good. Boston hasn't gotten their butt kicked like that all season. Yes, they won, but they got their behind kicked. In normal circumstances, you'd be proud of that point you earned and chalk it up to all-world goaltending. Unfortunately, Flames have seen this movie over and over and are in desperate need of points, so this is not a normal circumstance. Uh, similarly, this says, I think if that game was halfway through the year, you take the performance, you take it as a positive and look to build on it. But this late in the year, there are no moral victories anymore. It's uh, If it's not a win, it doesn't matter this late in the year. And I think that's kind of how the Flames were taking it. Even you know, listening to Blake, that clip that we just played, hearing Jacob Markstrom in the locker room after practice on Wednesday when he talked about, yeah, there's, there's no more. We're not, we're not finding positives and losses anymore. Just, we're, it's not that time anymore. We played well. Sure, we didn't win. That's all that matters. It's gotten to that point for the Flames without question here. So let me throw this at you because we've heard – Brad Treliving say in the lead up to every single trade deadline since he became the general manager in Calgary, you take your cues from your team. Yep. If you're Brad Treliving staring at the ceiling last night, trying to fall asleep, 
What cue do you take from that game? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Uh, probably huh, another night like that, hey? Now, that was to the most extreme, but yeah. Another night when we couldn't get it done. I, and I'm really, I kind of feel like that might move him even further away from, from going out and making a big-time acquisition. I, I'm really curious to find out what it does because on one side of the coin, I think you could say, I think you could be sitting there in the hockey ops area of the press box thinking, geez, if we can find someone who can just help with a little bit of finish, maybe we can get an extra point out of a few of these games. And maybe that's the difference between getting in or not. You know, you can walk away from a game where your team shoots 5% or or just a little bit better than 5% thinking, I really need to help these guys. They, you know, they just played the wheels off the best team in the NHL. Or I think you could leave the press box thinking to yourself, geez, five points out. If we, if we can't find a way to win that game, I, I just, I don't know what, what we can, yeah. what we can really justify investing in terms of sending out futures to, to bolster this group. And, and I have no idea, zero idea what way Brad Living might be leaning after that game, but you know, you'd love to have him phone into overtime and, and tell you, how he digests a game like that, because that was my biggest, you know, as the game, the final buzzer goes and and you kind of wrap your head around what you just saw. That was the first thing I thought of what cue as the general manager, can you possibly take from this game? Yeah. And I, I honestly don't know. Like, you want to give some stuff. I have no idea. I don't know. Cause you understand either direction. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The bizarre spot that he's in right now. Did not see any management around practice. Usually they're up there watching. Didn't see anybody. Um, it was an optional practice. Daryl Sutter wasn't on the ice either. Uh, so didn't see anybody from management around today. So maybe they're doing meetings. Who knows what's going on uh, right now. But we're now less than 48 hours away from the trade deadline. It goes Friday at 1 p.m. And I don't know if the loss to Boston moved Brad any one way or the other in terms of where I, I don't know if he's undecided. I just think that right now he's kind of living in the limbo or living in the gray area, which I actually think is the best way for the flames to approach this thing. Leverage your gray area. If there's something that makes sense, that clearly makes your team better long-term on the selling side, then do it. Same on the buying side. I, I any right now, Type things, I think you're way out. But to to kind of have one foot on one side and the other on the other, like there's there's nothing wrong with that. that. To be flexible and ready to go either way, depending on the situation, that's maybe the one good thing about the situation the Flames are in this trade deadline and with the prices that are being paid at this trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're reading the GM's group chat, I'm sure there's a message in there from Brad Chaliving saying, "Hey, give me a call." They they have to they have to talk about what's out there in terms of potential I guess bargain additions, but they also have to talk. Despite the fact that a subtraction hurts their chances of being a playoff team this year, yeah, they have to listen to offers. You know, if if an expiring contract Luke Shen fetches a third round pick, if a pure rental in Ivan Barbashev fetches a a fairly intriguing prospect. You got to know 
what's yep. out there. You got to, and, and Brad Trillivan, he always knows what the prices are. He's not going to get caught off guard, I don't think, by anything that happens in, in the next 45, 44 and a half hours. Yep. But I'm totally fascinated by what direction the Calgary Flames go. Our trade deadline coverage on Friday is brought to you by our friends at Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar and Tuxedo Source for Sports. It may be trade deadline season, but it's time to gear up for another great ball season. Southern Alberta's best selection of bats, gloves, and everything you need to be at the top of your game is at Tuxedo Source for Sports 2520 Center Street North. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time for a Wednesday edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, and now Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames, joins us to complete our Wednesday roundtable. Gents, Wednesday after practice, uh, Daryl Sutter didn't come right out and say this, but certainly made it sound like Jacob Markstrom was going to be the guy, was going to be the guy that they turned to more often than not in the final quarter of the season, 61 down, 21 to go. Um, and that that's kind of the interpretation many had coming out of Daryl's media availability on Wednesday. Uh, Derek, I know you talked about this, and, and I know where you stand on this, but gents, reverting back or or giving the ball to Jacob Markstrom and saying, this is yours, we're going to take you, we're going to go wherever you take us. Is that the right call? Well, you guys know, and uh, those that listen to our Flames Talk post-game show on Tuesday night know where I stand. And uh, yeah, I do think it's the right call. I think it's time. And it's been a tough season for both goaltenders. I would say more so for Jacob Markstrom than for Dan Vladar, because he's coming off the best season of his career, was the runner-up for the Vesna Trophy last season, was expected to be one of the elite goaltenders in the league again this season. And it's been like him, much like it's been for the team. It's just been an absolute grind. And this applies not just to the goaltenders, but to the entire group. You know, last season, at least from the outside looking in, and the guys who I've asked about it agreed with me, last season everything seemed to just come so easily for the Flames. They made saves easily. They scored goals easily. They won games easily. And this season has been pretty much the polar opposite. Everything's been hard. Making saves has been hard. Scoring goals has been hard. And winning games has been hard. Even last night's game that they definitely deserved to win, outshooting their opponent by 37. It's ridiculous that they didn't win that game. But they dug themselves in a two-goal hole. And I believe for the eighth time this season, gave up a goal in the first shot. So you put yourself behind the eight ball against the hottest team in the league and the best team in the league, the Bruins. And then you give up another goal in the fourth shot. And you're down two following the first. And then Jacob Markstrom comes in and does what goaltenders need to do, in my opinion. He gave his team a chance to win the game. He gave them a chance to battle back. They eventually took a 3-2 lead. And yeah, I know they lost 4-3 in overtime, but you can't hang that goal on him. There's no doubt about that. 
So I, I just got to thinking about it uh, during the first intermission, wondering what they were going to do to start the second period, and then again in the second intermission, and then again post-game, and that's why I brought it up on our Flames Talk post-game show. I just think that at this point in time in the season, you've got to you've got to decide who your guy is. And for me, th- there is no decision here. Jacob Markstrom uh, has proven that he can play at an elite level. I think at this stage of their careers, when I say that, I'm talking about both Jacob and Dan. Jacob has a higher ceiling. Uh, we know that he can be elite. Uh, Dan has showed flashes, but uh, he's a young guy and he's uh, unproven uh, as a starter at, at this level. So just hitch your wagon to one horse and see where it takes you. And I also think, guys, the other part uh, of my thinking here is that confidence has been an issue for this group. They might not admit it, but it's pretty clear to me. And I think confidence has been an issue for both goaltenders, at least at times. And I understand why there would be a lack of confidence in the goaltending. It's been the Flames' biggest Achilles heel this season. But I think flip-flopping back and forth, even though I think it was worth a shot, it hasn't worked. And I don't think that helps build confidence in the goaltenders or in the team in front of the goaltenders. If Daryl Sutter goes to Jacob Markstrom and says, you're our guy, and then goes to the team and says, Jacob's our guy, we're going to live or die with him. I think that sends a pretty clear message. And then you try to rally around the guy. So I think it's absolutely the right way to go. And now I'm anxious to see how it goes. I think you hit the nail on the head when when you said that Jacob Marstrom is a guy who's done this. He, he's proven the sort of goalie he can be at the NHL level. And not just last year when he was a Vesna Trophy runner-up, but but throughout his career, this is a guy who has been a workhorse, go-to guy in different situations. And Dan Vladar at this point in his career hasn't been. So I really, I, I couldn't agree more. This was the only choice the Flames had. I'm curious of two things, how Jacob Markstrom responds to it and how the Flames respond if Jacob Markstrom's next outing is a tough one. If if you come out and say, this is this is our guy, and, and not even if you come out and say it, but if you make it clear to Jacob Markstrom and even to Dan Vladar, hey, Jacob's going to get a chance to take this and run with it. What happens if tomorrow against the Toronto Maple Leafs doesn't go well? I think you have to stick with them, but coming up after that, you have two absolute must-wins against the Minnesota Wild in a three-game stretch. The Calgary Flames, as Daryl Sutter has said numerous times, need one of their goalies to get hot. Jacob Markstrom is a guy who has shown throughout his career that he can certainly do that and stay hot for long stretches, but this is also a gamble. We're talking about a guy who, going back months, has had a a dreadful season. He hasn't looked like himself. And so while I think that the Flames' only option at this point is to say, you're the guy, there's a bit of a gamble involved here. I, like fully understand where both of you are coming from. I really do. And I I like, you make really good points. I just, he's got the 40 of, of goalies that have played 20 or more games. He's got the 45th best save percentage in the NHL. He's at 887. And, and I just, from a meritocracy standpoint, and this is coming from a massive Jacob Markstrom defender 
and one of his biggest fans about the way he goes about his business, the the fiery intensity that he, I think, seemingly does everything with. Goaltending, practice, grocery shopping. Like, this guy is dialed every single minute of every single day, and I respect the hell out of the way he approaches everything. I expect his, I, I respect his straightforwardness with us. Uh, I, I respect the teammate that he is, and I respect what I hear from his teammates and people who have played with him and people who are closer to it and who are around him as a teammate. I respect what Daryl Sutter said on Wednesday when he said he's such a great guy, such a great teammate. We need him to, basically said, we need him to get hot. He's, a, he's an incredible teammate. We need him to put the foot down. I just, it's hard for me to say that, yep, you know what? You're the guy. And I get what you're saying. I just, it's been 11 games since the All-Star break. That's when the dip has really begun for Dan Vladar. And and I just, it hasn't worked. Going flip-flopping or seeing if one of these guys can take it hasn't worked. I just don't know if I'm ready to get away from that because I still think the most important thing is for one of these guys to take it and to just choose one of them because of the track record. I'm not there yet. So I, I fully respect where you guys are. I do. And I think you make great points. I, I'm just, I'm leery of it because it's been such a struggle all year and we're 61 games in. Now, if he does what Mike Smith did in the back half of 2019 or the back quarter of 2019 going into the playoffs where Mike did figure it out. He had a dreadful year that year. You know, Wilsey, you remember that that, that was the, the Mike Smith. Uh, oh, I remember. I'll never forget, unfortunately. <laughs> But coming on, coming on the the Flames roundtable every day and having a fight with someone—that wasn't a lot of fun. He, but he did figure it out in the final fifteen or so games of the season. Earned himself the game one start against Colorado. Was one of their better players against the Avalanche in that gentleman's sweep. So if that happens, I'll be the first one to say you guys are right, Daryl. Good call. Like I'll be the first to say I was wrong. I'm just not there yet with what I've seen to this point. Well, Pat, and to your point, uh, you said that when Dan Vladar started the struggle, it was coming out of the break, right? Yeah. And you know what else changed coming out of the break? That's when really it became an open competition for one of these guys to take the ball and run with it. And neither guy has. So Dan Vladar had his chance. And unfortunately, instead of running with the ball, he dropped the ball. And I'm not saying that he's been worse or better than Jacob Markstrom. The bottom line is both guys haven't been good enough and the Flames need more saves moving forward. But I think part of this uh, probably impacts Dan in a positive way, believe it or not, because I think you take a little bit of pressure off of him. You know, it's it reminds me of the conversation about Dustin Wolf, people thinking that the Flames should call him up from the Wranglers and give him a chance. Are you really going to put the Flames season the weight of the entire flame season on the shoulders of a 21-year-old goaltender who's still developing. I think that would be insanity. You you might ruin the guy. And in Dan Vladar, I see a guy who has the potential to be a number one goaltender, maybe for the Flames, and maybe in the not-so-distant future. So you take a little bit of pressure off of him, and you say, okay, you're still going to get your starts. There's 21 games to go. You're going to get your games. But uh, we're going to go with our $6 million goaltender, Jacob Markstrom, in the majority of the games. We're going to put the pressure on a guy who has had to deal with that pressure way more often than you have uh, because he's older and he's more experienced and he's been in this league a lot longer. I think it's the right way to go. And guys, I also think that part of their thinking might be changing the narrative a little bit. Every day with us, with fans, the conversation is, 
Well, I wonder who's going to get the start and goal next game. You don't think that conversation's going on inside the dressing room as well? I think you have to eliminate that conversation. Not on the outside. The Flames don't care about that. But on the inside. And I, need, I think they need to tell their players, not just their goaltenders, but their skaters as well, we believe in Jacob Markstrom. We need you to rally around him. We know he has the potential to play in an elite level. And if Jacob does that between now and the end of the regular season, the Flames will play postseason hockey. I'm convinced of it. I know they're five points out, but they're a good enough team to get there. So let's see where it goes from here. And Pat, uh, uh, as you said, if I'm wrong and if this thing blows up, then I'll admit that I was wrong uh, when the regular season comes to an end because they won't be playing playoff hockey. But I know Jacob Markstrom can play at a higher level, and, and now he needs to play at a higher level because he's going to get a chance to. The the biggest trouble spot for the Flames right now as you make your goaltending decision is it feels like either way has a, a potential of really going wrong on you. This is a team with an 8-4-4 save percentage since yeah. the All-Star break. Your better of two goalies since the All-Star break has an 8-56 save percentage. That's Jacob Markstrom. And and yes, I think that's your best option, but but right now, like this feels like the worst puck stopping predicament that the Flames have had all season and that's that's really saying something. And the last thing I'd say, let me throw a bold prediction at you guys if you don't if you don't mind I want to be really bold here. This is what we I do. Love bold predictions. This is this is called bold talk. I'm here March 1st. I'm willing to declare this will not be our final discussion about goaltending on the Flames Daily Roundtable. How bold is that? I can't handle that. I can't I can't handle hot takes like that. I'm too I'm too down the middle for that. Type my my of, microphone that type is scorching. That was so hot. Woo. Feel like Mike Piazza I just caught a scorching 101 mile an hour fastball from Wes. Uh Daily Flames roundtable with the he's on a heater with Wes with Derek Wills and Pat. Um that's the goaltending conversation. I think Wes is correct. Derek, we may be talking about it again on a future roundtable. Um mm-hmm. What do we think of the new defense pairing, specifically the new newish top four Hannafin with Tanev and then Uyghur with Anderson? What do we make of that against Boston? Well, Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev is newish, but not really. We've seen them play together plenty of times in the past, and they've played at a pretty high level together. But I think the pairing that we were all anxious to see in a game, because we hadn't seen it in a game, was the pairing of Mackenzie Uyghur and Rasmus Anderson. And Guys, Uyghur's had some good games this season, his first season with the Flames. I think last night might have been his best game. I thought he was outstanding in that game against the Bruins. And I thought Anderson probably had his best game since uh, coming back from the infamous Detroit scooter incident. Uh, It's been a bit of a struggle for him to get his game back, and understandably so. I mean, that had to be really scary for him. And, you know, physically he had to heal and mentally he might still be healing from what happened uh, a few weeks ago. So uh, I thought it was uh, interesting timing for the Flames to finally go to that pairing in a game. And I thought the top four was good last night. I really liked, as I said, Mackenzie Weger, and I really liked Noah Hannafin. Uh, I thought both guys played with incredible pace last night. They were decisive in their decision-making. Uh, Hannafin generally doesn't play with much of an edge, but uh, Uyghur certainly can, and I thought he did last night. Uh, I thought the top four was really good. Um, and I thought Nikita Zadorov played his best game in a while, and then, 
as much bad luck as anything, I guess, but he steps up to throw a big open ice body check, which normally I absolutely love because he does it as well as anybody on the team and uh, is one of the best open ice hitters in the league. But uh, the timing of that uh, wasn't great uh, as he took out to not only uh, one of the Bruins, but uh, one of the Flames as well. And that led to the game tying goal. So uh, like the Flames on defense last night, especially in their top four. And for me, the standout was Uyghur. The Zadorov factor worries me a little bit right now. I that I think he did have a, a relatively strong game last night and, until a, quite frankly, boneheaded decision to step up there and, and <clears throat> as you said, took out one of his own guys, but but just leaving leaving that gap behind him to step up at, at that moment with the score what it was was not the right play. And we're talking about a guy who said that he had the worst game of his career in, in Colorado, mm-hmm. who went through the laundry list of goals that he felt he was responsible for. And, you know, the Calgary Flames absolutely need him not only to sturdy that third pair with Dennis Gilbert, but to be a guy who can play more minutes than you would typically ask from a, a third pairing guy. I, I won't echo Derek because I, I agree with the way he saw the top four last night. There was really a lot to like there. That third pair with Nikita Zadorov playing some uncharacteristic hockey of late. Yeah. That concerns me. I uh I I really like the new top four. Um and I agree. I, I do think the third pairing remains uh, an area that, that needs some solidifying. I love the top four, I'll be real quick, but I thought Uyghur was great. He played he he was the guy that I felt from minute one on Tuesday kind of led the way when it came to urgency. Like he looked like he wanted mm-hmm. that from minute one. And I don't I don't know if the rest of the team followed in lockstep because I think that they all kind of were out there with a really urgent mindset. But I thought it just Uyghur looked like the guy who really took that to heart most. So that was really impressive. And I thought he and Rasmus played really well together. Hannafin and Tanev always play well together. Yeah, third pairing needs to take a step needs to be a little bit more reliable for him, but I like that top four. I, I'm definitely not going away from it for Thursday against Toronto. Yeah, and Dennis Gilbert's been really solid, guys. Uh, as a guy who didn't start the season in the league, he's been, uh, I would say, a godsend for the Flames in a lot of ways because uh, uh, they never had Oliver Shillington this season. Uh, they lost Yusuf Alamaki on waivers. Uh, Connor Mackey hasn't worked out, at least not yet, and you know, they've tried some other guys as well, Nick DeSimone and... Uh, I thought Nick Malosh might be a 6'7 guy for him. We haven't seen him at all this season. Uh, but Dennis Gilbert has been generally really solid for them. But ever since the nine-day break, Nikita Zadorov hasn't been the same player. I actually thought he was playing at a top four level, despite being their number five guy prior to the break. He's been a different guy after the break. So they need him to get back to where he was. And if that happens, then uh, I quite like the Flames on defense, as long as they stay healthy. Uh, right now, depth is an issue, though, because... Uh, clearly, there's not a lot of confidence there in Connor Mackey, and I feel for him. It's been a tough season for him, and, and I don't think he's necessarily been put in a position to succeed, but you know that's on both sides. But uh, they can stay healthy. I don't mind their top six right now as long as Adorov gets back to where he was and where he yeah. can be. Thank you, Wilsey.
Okay, guys, have a good night. He's Derek. He's Wes. I'm Pat. That's your Daily Flames Roundtable on a Wednesday, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. As we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, my name is Pat Steinberg, and uh, it's time to wrap up with uh, some positive news on our Flames Talk Best Bets, brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. We went 2-1 and one on Tuesday, so we're uh, into the black so far this week. 3-2 and two on the week. Uh, that's what I like to see. You want to get up, just gradually just build it as the week goes along. So we uh, got the Flames on the puck line on Tuesday. They did cover 1.5. Um, we got Tage Thompson over 3.5 shots. We missed on Thomas Novak over a shot and a half. I don't even know why I went that direction, but uh, he didn't hit that. He got zero shots. Um, Here's what I've got for you on Wednesday. I don't usually go this high on a shot prop, but with the depleted Capitals taking on the shot-bleeding Anaheim Ducks, I feel like it's going to be an Alex Ovechkin shooting gallery all game on Wednesday night. So I've got Ovechkin over four and a half shots versus Anaheim, and I've got uh, one of the Golden Geese. I've got Jason Jason Robertson. I wrote down Robinson. I don't know who that is. Uh, (laughs) Jason Robertson over three and a half shots for Dallas. Uh, They're taking on Arizona. So the best bets on Wednesday, uh, Ovechkin over four and a half shots, Robertson over three and a half shots. And, you know, if you want to take Robinson, you can – do that as well. Eric Robinson had a hat trick on Tuesday night, I believe. Is Buddy in the National League these I don't know days? Where Buddy's playing these days. Would older you, brother, uh, older brother, Buddy. Would you say being a you know being in the black today, Tuesday? Yeah. Is, is Tuesday like the equivalent of American Thanksgiving? Yeah, I've got a good chance of being where I want to be at the end of the week. I like it. I think Buddy's uh, played one game in the NHL this year. Played forty-one with Rockford. Too bad. We like Buddy. Uh, that'll do it for your Flames Talk Best Bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.